Good evening and welcome to Milkshake Monday, episode 156, Past, Present, and Future. Now, I must tell you that the title took me much longer than it normally takes for me to identify what it is and what the post will be. And let me explain why. Even for the announcement, I actually put Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7, which I normally don't do. But for the last few days, as my grief process is evolving and I'm learning what my triggers are, uh, the words of Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7, and the particular words that came to mind, not the full, all the scriptures, but I kept hearing in my spirit, wonderful counselor, almighty God, and Prince of Peace. I wasn't here in Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. I kept having wonderful counselor, almighty God, and Prince of Peace. And when you read the scripture, you'll know that I did not have in the middle Everlasting Father before I went to Prince of Peace. But, so that kept coming to me. And what was happening is that one of my triggers that I found out that causes me to weep or cry or get emotional is you know how they talk about people who lose a appendage, a, some part of their body, and when they go to utilize that hand that may not have an arm or may not have a foot or leg or something, it still feels there? So what was happening is that when I would travel to go on weekends different places, it was the norm that when I would come back home, I would call and say, hey, I'm on my way back. Do you need anything? This is what happened. And I'd have that conversation with my uh, best friend, confidant, my former husband. And so it felt like a, a little missing of that part whenever I would come. So even times yesterday, I was supposed to go somewhere. I had already come back home and had that feeling. And I didn't want to go back out again and do it all over again with Faith having to be gone back to college. So I kind of make sure I kind of prepare myself. Well, anyway, this scripture in my heart Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Prince of Peace. Like I said, I understand that the Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 through 7 has Everlasting Father, but that wasn't coming to my spirit. So I found myself this morning as I'm getting ready to prepare for Milkshake Monday, I go out with the dog and I'm going back and forth in my backyard. And so I was thinking about teaching on the words that have been coming in my spirit. And I said, you know, God, I don't really feel, even though I know it's your wonderful counselor and almighty God and Prince of Peace, and I knew the scriptures I would go to to talk about that. I said, I don't feel very wonderful. And I'm not, I know that you are wonderful, but I'm not feeling very wonderful. And I know I'm supposed to have peace. And for the most part, everybody, I do have a lot of peace that surpasses all understanding. And I was going to take you to you know, the Lord being a great comforter. And I was going to take you to Matthew 28, that he rose at all power. And I was going to take you to that. He's given us a piece that surpasses all understanding. I knew different scriptures I wanted to take you to, but in having this conversation with God, I don't have a closet. I have a backyard bathroom, wherever I, I find myself meditating and talking to God. So because there's this big open sky, I tend to talk to him a lot in my backyard. I'm pacing, going back and forth. And I'm crying and I'm like, I don't really feel that I feel wonderful. And right now, God, I don't really want to call you wonderful counselor because I'm kind of having a meltdown. But we get through that. You know, I get to the point where the emotional part that has my selfish aims, looking at Anita, not looking to God, not recognizing who he is, not being thankful, not appreciating that 
pruning hurts. And when God talks about us being one flesh, when a part of that flesh is severed and he brings that part on his timetable back to him, there's an adjustment. And I'm going through an adjustment period. Y'all know that. My mom, my poor mom, I started tearing up with her yesterday. So I had my sister calling me. She called me. I'm not saying I'm fine, like all is well, totally, because I am going through this process. But I'm going to walk you through the scriptures that I was given so that I can explain some things that God is teaching me. Oftentimes you hear people who are teaching or preachers say that when they teach, they're really teaching to themselves. Well, tonight I'm telling you, it's really going to myself. So I wanted to be able to do that. So we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9, and I've got two versions. I've got the version that's really the New King James, but I also have my uh, NIV. And my NIV is a study Bible, so sometimes I like to look at some of the notes. And I think I will read a couple of the notes from the NIV because I think it's helpful. Because what I am learning, I won't say how I totally understand, but what I'm learning, and good evening to everybody, I see you all, God bless you for being here. What I have learned in the midst of uh, having this situation uh, and having the situation where I'm growing, and I hope it's helping you because I think when I see people who pass away and I know their families are in the public eye, you don't really get to see that because when they're ministering, that's just what they're doing. And that's what I'm hoping to do, minister, but also to give some enlightenment. So I'm going to wear my glasses as I read Isaiah Chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. Verses 6 says, For unto us a child is born. And that child is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're in the Old Testament. So he has not come in and been manifested in Mary's body in the flesh. Unto us a son is given. And I like what Pastor Carter did in the installation service because when you're going through things, you have to personalize it. For unto us, and I have to say, for unto you, Anita, and all of the family of God, the saints of God, a child is born. For unto us, Anita, and all of the saints of God, a son is given. God's beloved son is given to us. And the government will be upon his shoulder. I always love where they talk about giving things over to God because... His burden is light, but when we try to take grief and we try to take pressures of life, the cares of life on our shoulders, our shoulders can't handle it, but his can to the point that they're talking about the government, whether they're talking about the millennial reign or the full government of who he is in his millennial presence. It says, and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name. And these names have been coming to me for days and almost weeks now. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, when your eyes are taken off the Counselor, the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the eyes will well up with tears. The nose will snot out with all kinds of stuff. And you will feel there's such a void and a loss. And I'm not saying that's not natural grief and mourning. That's what he knows. He's given us these emotions, these feelings. And he's shown himself, as he said, Jesus wept. And you'll see as he talks to his disciples in a passage that I'll show you in John 16. That 
He understands that we grieve. This body that we have in the flesh, it grieves, it mourns, it weeps and cries. But when we take our eye off of him, in the midst of the things that we're going through, even what I'm going through with Rev, it makes it harder because we feel as though, and I'm talking about myself, I can talk about myself, that he doesn't understand it, that he doesn't sympathize with it. And I think when you start to see his messianic titles and roles, you understand he does in the fullness of who he is. So let me keep reading this before I show you what it says in the NIV. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. Now I'm going to read it out of the NIV. It's not that different, but I also want to read a part where it talks about the notes that you read. Because sometimes if you don't have a study Bible, you don't get the appreciation of some things. So in verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Now what's interesting that I see between versions is that child and son are capitalized in my New King James. In the New King James, it says shoulder, like one of them. In the NIV, it says shoulders with an S. Now, here it says, And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, in looking at the notes for those titles, what my study note says, and I want you to just hear it because you can have appreciation for it. It says, son, a royal son. If you go to Hebrews 1, you talk about that royal throne. A royal son, a son of David. Wonderful counselor. Each of the four throne names of the Messiah consists of two elements. Unlike Emmanuel, it says, these titles were not like the normal Old Testament, Old Testament personal names. Counselor points to the Messiah as a king who determined upon and carries out a program of action. As wonderful counselor, the coming son of David will carry out a royal program that will cause all the world to marvel. What that program will be spelled out in chapter 11 and more fully in chapters 24 through 27. Marvelous things, things planned. Mighty God is for his divine power as a warrior is stressed. Everlasting Father, he will be an, ever, an enduring, compassionate provider and protector. Prince of Peace, his rule will bring wholeness and wellness and well-being to individuals and to society. Now, what my heart has been grieving, I told you I kept hearing wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace. But the Everlasting Father, I, did, I didn't hear that in my, I wasn't remembering this, uh, the scripture. I was remembering part of it. So when I saw the notes where it talked about the Everlasting Father, he will be an enduring, compassionate provider. I need God to be that compassionate provider. And the Prince of Peace, he has given me peace. What you all have been praying and interceding for me, I tell you, there are days that I go and hours in the day where I have just a presence of peace. I have a presence of knowing that not only my family of God is praying for me, but God the Father has his son 
making intercession for me. And I can't talk about it too much because I'll cry. And I want you to hear these scriptures. So as I was reading this, I thought I'm going over to Psalms 90. And I want you to hear what Psalms 90 reads. Because we hear some of these scriptures in the church, in the house of God, at the house of prayer. And I think when you're going through what I'm going through and others have gone through for loss of son, loss of children, uh, parents and brothers and friends. When these things happen, the emotion of the loss is so overpowering at times that you just got to put your focus back and you have to yell at yourself. My Rev used to say stuff to me when I had faith out of my body. I birthed her and she had to go and be medevaced because of having a situation that they said 96 to 98% of the babies die of. But Rev said, I believe God, God's told me that child gonna live and that's faith. And she's almost 20. So, but when things happen, he will always say, Anita, you had a child named Faith, now have some faith. And sometimes I have to have that wake up call, even with the word of God, to tell me to have faith. And so in Psalms 90, it says, Psalms 90, I'll read it. It's not a very long psalm. Lord, you've been my dwelling place. Now, the thing about home that gets me crying, that causes me to trigger, is I come to this physical building as a house. And the building doesn't have reverend or faith. So I got to read this scripture, which says, you have been my dwelling place. You're my home. And sometimes I think the loved ones that we have, we get to so much of an attachment that the physical people in our lives, sons, daughters, husbands, wives, mama, daddy, they take on a role that they cannot take. Yes, they're spouses and they're one flesh. And I got that. I understand that. But never to the point that we never recognize that God, he's our dwelling place. He's our home. He's the home where it'll be eternal. But I, I tell you, we got these physical buildings and we're so used to coming in. Hey, how you doing? What you doing? You know, talk, talk, talk. But we got to do some of that talking to God who's going to always be there as our everlasting father, the prince of peace, the wonderful counselor that will be the comforter in our times of whatever throws is thrown at us. So this is Lord you have been my dwelling place. And I almost cried because he just woke me up to say, Anita, I'm your home. I'm your home that won't, won't change no matter who comes in, who comes out, who's not here, who's not here. Because I'm always here. Lord, you have been my dwelling place throughout all generations of my life. That's what I put in. I understand all of my life. All of my past, present, and future. And when he exposed that to me, I had a title. Because when you read Isaiah chapter 9, those are prophetic words because Christ had not been born as a child. But in eternity, God already saw this happening. Genesis 3, he already saw this happening. When Isaiah wrote it because of his prophetic word, God already saw it happening. And what I realized this morning, and I tell you all in sincerity of heart, that when God this morning, when I was feeling broken and hurt, I recognized in reading the scripture that God knows my present. He knows exactly what's happening right now, right now. But he knew my past. He knew my life with William Helm. 
my life before William Helm, my life when I was a child asking him what was my purpose in life. And he took his own time, his divine time to explain and show me part of your journey was to be with this man of God. But that's not your whole journey. This present time, he's holding me up. He's helping me through, through his word. But guess what, saints and my brothers and sisters in Christ? He understands what future he has for me. And just like we see where he was in Isaiah 9 talking in those generations well ahead of the prophecy of Christ being born to Mary's body as a virgin, he already had it written out. So our everlasting father knows about me as his kid, knows about you as his kid. I don't care if you're 20, you're 5, you're 50, you're 100. He knows us and he has appreciation of our past. He has an understanding of our present. And with his holy divine understanding and presence of, of who he is, our dwelling place, he's going to take us to the future he has in store for us. So, before the mountains were born, that's how his everlasting is showing. Before the mountains were born, this is our everlasting father talking. Because he's always been. Look at what he says. Or you brought forth the earth and the world. So he says, before the mountains were born, and he brought forth the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, your God. When I get my eyes off of God, and I'm not crying for William now, I'm crying because the awesomeness of recognizing our Father, the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace, that He loves us so much that He said, Unto us, child's born. Unto us, a son is given. That's not abstract. That's not just for them. That's for us. That's personal for us. He says in verse, I got to put my glasses on again because this NIV is tiny. It says in verse three, you turn men back to dust. This is a part of the Ecclesiastes three. There's a time to be born. There's a time to die. All of us have an appointed time. God is sovereign over life and death. And all of us have an appointed time that talks about in verse three. You turn men back to dust, saying, Return to dust, O sons of men. He sang it. He who knows when we were born and shaped into our mother's womb, he who knows the, the pages in our book, knows when it's time to return to the dust. Whether we know it or not, he knows it. And it says, Return to the dust, O sons of men. And this is where you see about time for the divine God, our everlasting Father. For a thousand years in your sight, that's my sight, your sight, are like a day, 24 hours, a day that has just gone by. Or like a watch in the night, you sweep men away in the sleep of death. That's how fast our life can go. Breath of life he gives. Breath of life is gone. Return to dust. That's our God who does that. It's not in our power. Rev told me that one time. He said, God wanted me to tell you, Anita. He's sovereign of life and death. Not you. All my taking 
him to the doctors and the procedures and the, the this and that and the other. That wasn't going to save him. That was going to help him for such a time. But when God said return to the dust, that was that shell. But the body and the soul he knew to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That soul instantaneous as God gave the commandment. It's time. Come on. Come on home, son. And some of this I have to say to myself in my spirit and I got to say it out loud because I know some of you have lost sons and daughters and husbands and wives and mamas and daddies and all these loved ones and it hurts. I talked to a widow who five years removed her husband has been gone and she's still suffering. But I think God could tell us some things so we don't have to suffer so much. And it says here in verse five, you sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. Though in the morning it springs up new. But in the evening it is dry and withered. That's how life can go. And life can pass from moment to moment. We are not here to stay. That's the thing I think we forget. We're not here to stay. But for some reason we... We have this plan that we're going to stay for a long time. That's why we're exercising. That's why we're going and eating the right food and, and incrementally fasting and all this stuff that we're doing and go to the doctor for this. It's because we're, we're thinking we got to stay as long as we can. But the reality is we will stay for as long as God says we will stay. And the pages are in our book and no longer. Jump over to John chapter 16. Now, in going over the grief part, as I shared, the Lord made these bodies to grieve. And he even showed us in the New Testament when he was with his disciples that as he was talking about leaving, he uses the word grief and mourning and weeping. That this is a normal part of when somebody that you love is departed or departing. Whatever the tense of that that lifespan is they're going because they're sick they're instantly gone because they've departed whether they got in an accident or they're traveling but Christ is talking about going back to his father when he's talking to his disciples but I want you to hear what he says I can't read all of John 16 but I will read the first part about the the Holy Spirit now I'm going to read John 16 but I want you to read it all so I'm going to skip around John 16 so I'm going to read John 16 verse 5 and when he talked about being a wonderful counselor back in Isaiah, I want you to see how he talks about this counselor. We call him Comforter, Holy Spirit, Spirit of Truth. He has many names. But in this passage in the NIV, he's called a counselor. So John 16, verse 5. Now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you're filled with grief. They, the disciples, were filled with grief at the prospect of Jesus Christ, who they'd been walking with for three years in ministry, day and night, day and night. The thought of him departing has caused them grief. Because I've said these things, you're filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. 
But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Now here he says in verse 12, I have much more to, tell, to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. There are some times in my loss and grief that I know the Spirit's whispering these scriptures to me. He's, he's telling me, go and read his word. Go and read the love letters that Christ has and let the Spirit of God, him as the Spirit of truth, take my eyes off of myself. Take my eyes off of what I think I've lost and what I've gained in knowing that I have Christ. I have a dwelling place. Lord, you've been my dwelling place. You are my dwelling place. You're here with me. I'm not alone. You said you'd never leave me or forsake me. And I have the spirit of truth, that counselor, that comforter, that everlasting father, that prince of peace, always with me, always interceding to the father. Now, jump over to verse 17 of that same John 16. Because I want you to appreciate when Christ starts to talk about weeping and mourning and their grief to disciples. Because he just doesn't gloss over it. He says it once that he understands their grief. But he says it again. And as I was reading these scriptures, I was saying, God understands grief. God understands when you lost your mama and you're still hurt. God understands when you've lost your son and you still have that pain or your husband or your family members or your friends. He understands it. He's not distant. He's not aloof. He's not uncaring. He's close. He's close in that spirit of truth that's there. That spirit that will lead you to know his word and reveal his word in the depths of it, in the liberty of it, in the release of it. Because I guarantee you, if you stay in yourself and you have that pity party, all you're going to have is sorrow and emptiness where he says, I want your joy to be fulfilled. That's what John 17 talks about. But look what it says in verse 17 of John 16. Some of his disciples said one to another, what does he mean by saying in a little while you will see me no more? And then after a little while you will see me. And because I'm going to the father, they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. I want y'all to understand, he's talking about himself. But even our loved ones that are saints of God, who are Christians, who love Jesus, who've repented and accepted his free gift of salvation, in a little while, we're going to see Christ. But we'll see those people again. They may not be in the roles of husband and wife because there's no marriage in heaven, but we'll get to see those saints of God worshiping him again. It'll be a little while because remember Christ says in the scriptures, the father is saying a thousand years are but a day to him. It's a lot for us 
Another 50, 60 years seems a lot. But our focus shouldn't be on going to see the loved ones that are gone. Our focus is to go see our Lord who's our dwelling place. Our focus is to go see Jesus. And look what he says here in verse 19 of John. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you will see me no more? And then after a little while you will see me? I tell you the truth. You will weep. Y'all, it's okay to cry when you lost somebody and they're departed. And mourn. It's not just crying. There's a, there's a hurting. A, a per, when you get pruned, you got that stinging feeling of loss. So you weep because that's what our eyes were created for. That's what the emotions that our Lord and Savior put into each one of us. We weep those tears. Those tear ducts were made for us to weep. He says, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve. So he's talked about weeping, mourning, and grieving. All of those are different emotions. All of them are wrapped up in who he put, the characteristics, the composition he put in all of us, the capacity to feel. You will grieve, but your grief, this is where I think we have to know what's coming. Your grief will turn to joy. That's about him. I know we make it about Husband and sons and daughters and mamas and daddies and aunties and uncles. We make it about them. I got that. We all have the loss of the loved ones. But the greatest love that we ever have as Christians is Jesus. But like he's telling them, the grief will be turned to joy. And he uses that visual to talk about a woman in childbirth. And I've been in childbirth twice and it hurts. But at the same time, I wanted my baby to come out safely. And I was joyful. And it hurts. Even with meds, it hurts. And this grief and this mourning and this weeping, it hurts. But Christ is going to tell us that you're going to go see him again. And for those loved ones who are saints of God, part of the body of Christ, we will see them again. Jump over to Revelations 21. One of the things I have to tell Anita Helm is that during the time of Reverend's last days, he wasn't loving the quality of his life. He was suffering. He wasn't joyful in the fact that, um, when I say joyful, he wasn't, he was kind of in that place where they're stuck in their bodies, but they can't talk. And so that's difficult for anybody to watch, but I can't imagine how it was to be. But when I go to that place where I start to get sorrow, mourning, grief, weeping, I said, Nita, I don't want him back. Nita, I don't want him back. Because he's with Jesus. He's got that joy. He's not suffering and entrapped in that natural vessel that's gone back to the dust. That God said, return to the dust. And the selfish part of me misses him greatly. That's my confidant, my friend, my brother, my pastor, my love. But I love and I talk to him even when he was in that midst of being trapped. I said, brother, do you know you get ready to see Jesus? 
You get ready to go. And I y'all go to Revelations 4. I can't read it because of the time. But go to Revelations 4 and just see the picture of what you see. That John was revealed about what's going on in heaven. That's just a glimpse. And I got to go to Revelations 4. I'm going to have to take the time. Y'all got time. Y'all awake anyway. But Revelation 4 talks about all that's going on in the picture. You got to read that. But I want y'all to see verse 8 of Revelation 4. And then I'll go to Revelation 21. Revelation 4, 8 said, The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Who was and is and is to come. Do y'all hear that? And it says, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. Doesn't that sound like Isaiah 9? The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. Everlasting Father. Y'all hear that? And cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. So William Helm and the people that you love, that know Christ, they're before the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. But let me go to 21 and let y'all end this. Because I'm talking about my tears and my mourning and my grief. But I can't not remember Revelations 4. I can't not re remember Psalm 90. I can't not remember Isaiah 9. And remember Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time to be born. There's a time to die. That's, that's everybody. That ain't just Reb. That ain't just your loved ones. That's everybody. We got to be ready. Because those who are ready have the privilege and opportunity to know what Revelations 21 promises us. That's why they say in the very beginning of Revelation that this is a blessing to read Revelation. Nothing scary about it. Read it. There's a blessing in it. But Revelations 21 verse 1 says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice. Y'all know I can be loud. A loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself, God himself, will be with them and be their God. Remember about that departure from John 16? Now you see why you're not going to grieve. Now, why you, now you're going to see why there's some joy. Verse 4 says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. 
So when you start to cry like I was crying, you got to remember past, present, but the future. Do y'all see what chapter 21 of Revelation talks about the future? About that excitement of the joy that we will see God. We will see the Lord Jesus Christ. Those of us who believe will see the Lord Jesus Christ. That's something to be excited for. I know I've got to go through the grief and the mourning and the weeping. I know it, y'all. Y'all keep praying. I don't want to be stuck there because I got to have that hope. That's why when I saw the memory that popped up on Facebook was Reverend Helm was preaching in September 6th of 2020. His word that he was proclaiming about Christ is the same fresh word that we have day to day. It, I can see that same video 40 years from now and it'll be truth because he's proclaiming Christ. Our hope is not in the person and the people that we've lost. Our hope is in the Christ who the per person believed in, who they knew that they would see him before they saw mom and dad and all that family reunion we all get excited about. They were going to see Christ in a little while and for all of us in a little while. And I want to say to y'all, yesterday we had a wonderful installation. Praise God. Pastor Carter, you, you did it. You did it. Praise God. What God did through you. Hallelujah. At the end of those times where we ask people to accept Christ, sometimes I want to say, give me the mic. I do. I just want to say, give me the mic. I want to talk to some people because we have gotten so scripted a little bit. We're opening up the doors of the church. What does that mean? Let's get down to some nitty gritty. Let's make, let's make this a time where we spend some time with people and say to them, if it's tonight, if it's this afternoon, if it's this morning, today, and God says, return to the dust, you, do you know that you know that Christ knows you and you know Christ and you are his child? And he says to his father, that's my child. Or are you just playing games saying, I'm, I'm, I'm member number 75 on the roll and I got a pew. That don't mean nothing to God if you don't know him and you haven't repented and you haven't given your life and recognized who he is and who you're not. And understand that all the sins that we've done against him, we have to ask God to forgive us. That's not a one time and done. That's God asking us to recognize that he's holy and we're not. Nobody's righteous. No, not one. Only Jesus Christ. We have to be so intimate with these times that we ask people to make the decision about their eternal salvation. I pray in the name of Jesus that the pastors, the evangelists, and the people that are called to do what they call invitation to discipleship, open the doors of church. Stop using that old nomenclature language, Lord willing. Talk to these people. Because I guarantee you, in the sound of your voice, there are some backsliders and people that need to come back. To God, not to the church building, but to God and give their lives in dedicated sincerity and repent. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but a lot of us are playing. I saw people playing that have still been playing. And the thing about it is, there's hell and the lake of fire is the consequence. And there's no changing once you're there. If God says that the white throne judgment of the people that don't know Christ, they're going to the lake of fire and there's no exit there. So we need to start being real with people and tell them the truth. There's a choice. You either accept Jesus Christ or you reject him. And if you reject him, that's your choice. 
but the consequences of your everlasting damnation to the lake of fire. You don't have a second chance with that. And God is telling you and giving every kind of media that is available in this life right now to tell you of who his son is and that you have to receive him and repent. You ain't just going to do it your way. God ain't moving over the throne for you to give him a, a way he's going to do it. It's not that way. It's the four names that we saw. Wonderful counselor. He's to counsel you. You don't counsel him. Almighty God. He has all power. Not you. Everlasting father. He's everlasting. And you're going to have an everlasting separation if you don't make a choice to receive his son and repent. Like he says, for the kingdom of God is at hand and prince of peace. All the drugs and sexing and the things that you're running after will not give you the peace that God has with him loving you unconditionally. Him giving his life for you, knowing all your sin, all your disgusting things that you've done against God and his holiness. All my disgusting things that I've done against God and his holiness. But I said, God, I repent. Wipe it clean through your blood that has no sin. Relationship with me. Carry me when I'm sorrowful. Carry me when I need your scriptures, your Holy Spirit to build me up with your spirit of truth. So we're not being churchy. I just want you all to hear what thus said the Lord, that he loves you. It's not his will that any should perish. But guess what, saints? There's a lot of people that think they know better than God and they think they're going to do what Satan tells them to do. And all he wants to do is to steal, kill, and destroy. And there's a lot of people that you love that are finding their way in that wide gate because they don't want to hear what thus saith the Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that something has been said to have you get a closer relationship to Jesus Christ. We're in the last days, gang. We're in the last days. And the harvest is ripe. It's plentiful. But the laborers are few. That's the word of God. That's not a need of help. That's the word of God. You are part of the labor force. Open your mouth and talk to the people who God is putting in your path. Tell the mail carrier. Tell the person at the grocery store. Tell the person delivering that 15th package at your door from Amazon and all these places. Tell them, hallelujah, do you know the Lord? Open your mouth. Stop being afraid. They may be going to hell because you're too afraid to tell them about the love. They may need to hear somebody say that they love them because they think about killing themselves. Do the work of Christ. Why, it's day. For the night comes where no man can work. We got to do the work, saints. I love you. Thank you. Thank you for joining on the Labor Day. God bless you. I love you. Keep on praying.